Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I- hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moon roof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit grandma. She's getting up there. That's like... A whole lifetime in seven days. And like one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. I'm your host. We have been looking at this family that uh, the Bible tells us, the lineage of Jesus Christ, the, uh, the woman's seed uh, is being uh, prepared. And we know that they were separated and for uh, the Messiah to come through this particular scene and this lineage. And so we've been looking at a couple of brothers, Esau, Jacob and Esau. And we're also looking at um, Isaac, the father, and Rebekah. So we're following behind the scenes of this family and we're getting our information from a couple of books, including the Bible. We are looking at the book of Josephus. We are looking at the legend of the Jews and gathering uh, information from there. We're looking also at the book of Yasher. And we're going to continue with these two brothers. I still want to look at, there's so much going on behind the scenes within this this family and what's happening. And I uh, want to make sure that you guys understand that they're just like yours and mine. Our family, We, we today we put uh, nice fancy terminology about it, you know, um, how, uh, you know, the terminology that they use today as far as dysfunctional family. Well, I got one for you when we're looking at this particular family. And so we are going to continue looking at this dysfunctional family that God is working powerfully with. And so as dysfunction as your family is, God is still capable of working his will in and through this family. And so we're going to continue looking at these guys, Esau, Jacob and Esau. We started looking at the fact that uh, he's on the run now, he's leaving, but there's still a lot more stuff happening. Ishmael dies and all that type of stuff. And that's not covered within the Bible. A lot of this is not there in the Bible. Um, we just saw that um, in, in Genesis 29, it tells us that they were waiting for something to happen. And you and I know behind the scenes that they're waiting for all these men to come to assist and to uh, work together to move the, 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 the stones so that they can have water and all that different things. But what we're going to do is continue this journey. It's going to take us a little while to move from here, but we're going to grab as much information as we can, and then we will continue our journey and see what took place with Laban and um, Jacob and how the blessing worked in his life and so forth. But we're going to take a break right here, and then we will return after this message. Welcome back to Mr. Bible. We are following this family, as I mentioned to you. Uh, we are looking at how dysfunctional they say they in our time as to what they look at, and we've been looking at it from several different types of books and so forth. I want to go into 
the book of Yasher and catch up from that uh, perspective so that you and I can continue to look at this family and gather some insight into them. So we're going to pick up in each in uh, the book of Yasher chapter 29. And we know that once the blessing was transferred to um, Isaac, uh, to Jacob, uh, I apologize. Uh, once Jacob got this blessing, his brother was absolutely upset. He wanted to kill him and he took off. In verse 11 of chapter 29, it says, And Jacob was very much afraid of his brother Esau, and he arose up and fled to the house of Eber, the son of Shem, and he concealed himself there for on account of his brother. And Jacob was 63 years old when he went forth from the land of Canaan, from Hebron, and Jacob was concealed in Eber's house. 14 years on account of his brother Esau. And he uh, was there and he continued to learn the ways of the Lord and his commandments. So he, he ran away to Eber, went into Bible school, as they say. Uh, his brother, because of his anger and so forth, he couldn't, uh, uh, couldn't stay there. And we see from this part of the scripture, uh, being in the book of uh, Yasher, the age he was uh, 63 years old, and he stayed there for quite a long time. And again, because of his brother, and uh, uh, he was there for 14 years. So he was a pretty old man according to our day, but remember those days, those guys were living much older. And we know that um, uh, he does live uh, quite a few years after that. So Esau... Uh, was, um, he ran away from his brother. He's now there. He gets a little homesick and he comes back to his, uh, to his mother's house and his father to visit. Uh, Esau, in the meantime, he took off. He got away from the parents because he was angry with them. He's, uh, got, uh, went, uh, to see her and he stayed there six months without seeing his father. And, um, he got, uh, married there again. And he took his wife. Now he has two wives and he's going to go visit his father as well. This is beautiful how this whole thing is orchestrating that these guys are going to meet again. And um, we will see how they respond from this documentation. And so it gives us a little more backstory about um, Esau, his wife, Adar. Um, she conceived and gave him a son. And um, uh, his son... That the name of his son was uh, Elipser, and Esau was 65 years old when he bare him. So he's 65, and um, you see that these guys are getting uh, kids at an old age. Um, and we see that uh, uh, all of this family unit is having some really good stuff happening in the background. So Esau comes back to the father's house, and um, his brother comes back. And um, uh, when he got back there, he is now visiting mom and dad. They're visiting, and he sees it. Esau sees this, and he is, of course, a little upset. And so uh, he is then going to be planning to take his brother out, for a lack of a better word. And um, he does. So his father, um, Isaac, um, in with Jacob, he begins to uh, finish up the blessing. Cleaning it up is, as you say, um, 
putting more on him. He says, And Isaac finished commanding Jacob and blessing, blessing him. And he gave him many gifts together with silver and gold. And he sent him away. And Jacob hearkened to his father and mother. He kissed them and rose and went to... Um, he's leaving now from their house and he's heading to Laban's uh, to uh, spend some time there. And he is currently now, Jacob is 77 years old when he is leaving Canaan for Bathsheba. And when, uh, so when Esau sees this, he then uh, uh, takes his son, and he's telling his son that I want you to go and take your uncle out. Um, Eliphaz is the guy's name. And he spoke to him in secret, as it says in verse 31. And he tells him, I said, I want you to go after your uncle, catch up to him, and kill him. So this son now that he's sending to kill his uncle is 13 years old. And um, so you guys are looking at this family and you're really beginning to see a dysfunctional family, uh, class A, as they say. So um, he got a couple of his mother's brothers. Uh, he actually says that he took 10 of his mother's brothers with him and pursued Jacob. And he closely followed Jacob, and he lurked uh, for him in the border of the land of Canaan, opposite to the city of Sheshem. And Jacob saw Elphaz and his men pursuing him, and Jacob stood up in the place in which he was going in order to know what was what was going on. He sees these men coming, for he did not know but, uh, what was going on. It says, uh, Eliphaz draw uh, his sword. And he went on advancing, he and his men, towards Jacob. And Jacob said unto them, What is to, what are you going to do? What's going on, God? Why are you coming here? And what meaneth if thou, uh, that you pursuing me with your swords? And he answered, and he said, Thus did my father command me, and now therefore I will, um, I will not deviate from the orders which my father gave me. And when Jacob saw that Esau had spoken to his uh, son to employ force, Jacob then approached and supplicated uh, him and his men, saying to them, so he's now coming. He's uh, uh, actually, it's it's not a form of begging, but it's his pleading in a way, because the Bible tells us that we ought to come before God with making supplications. And so he is... Um, uh, entreating these men not to kill him. He said, Behold, that I have which my father and mother had gave unto me, take it unto thee, and go from me, and do not slay me. And may this thing be accounted unto thee as righteousness. And the Lord caused Jacob to find favor in the sight of um, Eliepsar, the son of Esau. And you and I have been following, telling you guys about this thing about um, uh, grace and favor, what it is. You've heard me talk about it many, many, many times. And it is very important uh, that you guys understand what this is. Uh, the Bible tells us, uh, it says in Ephesians, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And I've actually done a teaching of, of this at my other site, Blueprint of Faith. But let me go into it a little for you guys, because this is a perfect example 
of what it does. So the favorite of God, they say, has a couple of things within it. Um, it has uh, God's protection and uh, is one of them. And uh, so with this particular uh, force, and this is God, his ability, because it says in, in Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift. And I've preached and taught that that is a process by which you and I get saved. Salvation and saved from any situation that we find ourselves in. These two byproducts, grace and uh, uh, faith. There's a scripture that says in um, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that come uh, before the throne of grace, uh, whereby you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. And we, this combination of grace and faith, if you follow that thread through the Bible, you will see that it is a tremendous force. It is a power that is incredible. And the Bible tells us that between these two forces, the force of grace and the force of faith, it tells us in, um, in Romans that this two piece we will reign in this life. Romans 5.17, or if because of one man's trespass, death reign, through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And you guys know I've taught also at Blueprint of Faith that righteousness means uh, faith. Those are of faith. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that... Um, after Abraham believed God, it was accredited to him as righteousness. So then, if that's the case, then one becomes righteous by faith. And so faith is what makes you and I uh, righteous. And the act of walking and living by faith keeps you and I in righteous standing with God. So the Bible says that you and I have peace with God because we are in that state of grace with his grace and of uh, faith. So we are looking at this combination and we're seeing it perfectly in this particular incident between these two, uh, between uh, Jacob and these guys. So let's just stay here for a minute and look at it. So then it tells us, for by grace are you saved. So watch this formula that you can apply in your life every day and it will save you from any situation, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift. The process is a gift of God, as I've mentioned before. And so what is this grace? And I've talked to you guys about it. Grace is the divine influence upon the heart and the benefit that it brings to the believer. And that grace can be fixed, uh, can, can work on our heart as well as in any other uh, heart that is out there. The Bible tells us that we are called by grace. So this force of that is all all God has nothing to do with you and I. The grace part is not uh, anything for it. The Bible tells us that for while we were yet sinners, Christ died because of that grace. And so we are seeing then that this peace is very important in our life as Christians. And the Bible says we can get it 
uh, this grace to help in time of need by going through the throne of grace. Says, um, uh, we ought to come, bold, come boldly before the throne of grace, whereby you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. The Bible tells us that God's grace is sufficient. And when you guys get to understand this thing, um, it tells us that we ought to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior. So this thing I've taught to you guys is very important. It is a missing piece in today's Christianity because they didn't have a revelation of it uh, as to what it is because they all they say is God's unmerited favor, but they never really go into uh, the purpose of it. And, um, you know, which is great, God's unmerited favor, yes. But that unmerited favor was based on his love for me and uh, and you. And because he loved us so much that he is able to utilize grace, that force by which he can then uh, have mercy on us and provide the needs. And so when you and I partner with God, and so uh, with his grace divinely influencing someone, when you and I come to him to ask for something, it tells us that he is there to help you and I. And so it tells us in uh, uh, that Jesus Christ is that giver of grace and that God is the one that gives us uh, grace. Acts 22, 47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And so as you and I have favor, that uh, divine influence from God, his part in this partnership, we will do great things as is stated in the book of Romans. So there's another example in the Bible when it talks about um, the favor of God when it comes to affecting people that you and I can actually get a glimpse of. And it is mentioned in the book, um, it talks about Exodus, in the book of Exodus. And God says in Exodus 3.21, he says, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptian, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. And that is very specific as to what uh, the Lord did to them. It says, Ephesians, uh, Exodus 11.3, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Uh, Exodus 12.36, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Why? So that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptian. So we know that when they were leaving Egypt, uh, after the plagues came upon them and Pharaoh set them free, there was something else that they left with. They left with their money. They left with their wealth. They took everything and it says they spoiled the Egyptian. And it tells us the reason why it was um, given to them was that Moses said to them, go and ask them. And it says, and great favor was upon them. So what happened was the uh, they in the asking, they were doing their part. They were walking by faith. And so God's part was, he said, and I will give this people favor. So that was God's part. And our part was to be obedient to the word. And the word was to go and ask them. And the children of Israel got them. And so we see that Jacob here, it tells us that as he began to talk to these men and um, uh, Esau's son, it says that God and the Lord caused 
Jacob to find favor in the sight of this boy and these men. And as a result of that, so here this man Jacob is in danger of his life being lost, taken away from him. And God's favor was able to come on him, uh, on the heart of the people that were trying to kill him and cause him to go. He gave them all of his wealth. Actually, it was robbery. And his men, and he, he, uh, they listened, and it says in verse 38, And the Lord caused Jacob to find favor in the sight of um, Elphaz, the son of Esau, and his men. And they hearkened to the voice of Jacob, and they did not put him to death. And Elphaz and his men took all belonging to Jacob, together with the silver and gold and all that he brought with him from Bathsheba. They left him nothing. So this is where we're going to pick up and come back after this. We're going to look at him. Uh, he's broke. He's stripped down naked, but he's alive. And um, we are learning a little more behind the scenes as to what's going on with this uh, dysfunctional family. And uh, my hope is that as I as we talk about these, so that you and you can you can trust God to do great things with your family. Don't look at it as he can do nothing, because the scripture says all things with God, all things are possible. You have those children that are in in trouble. All things are possible. So we'll be right back after this message. Welcome back to Mystery Bible. We're going to pick up after these guys leave um, his uncle um, and uh, Jacob. And let's see what happens as they went back home. And uh, we saw that the favor of God came. And I showed you guys, I gave you an example of what the favor of God does along with your faith. So um, whatever family situation you have going on in your life today, wherever you're caught in, whatever you're caught in, the process by which you come out of it, by the process by which you become saved, or for by grace are you saved through faith, it is a gift of God. The process um, is the combination, as I mentioned to you, the combination of grace and that combination of faith. So you have to put your faith together with God's grace. And the Bible tells us that how you and I can get it is simply going before the throne of grace, whereby you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. And as you study that thread, you will see some tremendous stuff uh, works along with the grace of God and what, what, what it does. And so as you and I are uh, becoming uh, uh, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, heirs of God, and the Bible tells us we have access to him by this grace. And this grace, that, that divine influence upon our heart that uh, um, is able to cause us to come to him. And the Bible tells us that we are called by his grace. Galatians 1.15 But when, when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace. And that scripture is for you personally, because God called you by his grace, meaning that divine influence upon your heart. And as a result of him calling you by his grace, you became saved one day as a result when you combine, when you uh, use your faith to speak and call in the salvation that he 
had set that grace in place for you to utilize. And so you and I can become victorious in all that we do. So let's take a look back into this family, this guy. Uh, Elphaz and his men went away from him, and they returned to Esau, to Bathsheba, and they told him all that occurred to them with Jacob. And they gave him all that they took from Jacob. We know that this guy, Elphaz, was 13 years old when his father sent him out to uh, murder his uncle. And so we know that Esau is a man of pain, and he is taking this trauma and uh, just moving it through his family. We'll see this guy's behavior because he is in pain and he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's a very rebellious person and he is against God. We know that at this point in time, he has that uh, cloak that he took from Nimrod. We know that he's in possession of all those things. And I believe that he was uh, going to use all of this to rule all men. And he wanted that blessing. That's why when um, he didn't get it, he went nuts. And so Elphaz and his men left. And so Esau was indignant at Elphaz, his son, and all his men that were with him because they had not put Jacob to death. And they answered and said unto Esau, Because Jacob supplicated us in this manner, not to slay him, our pity was excited towards him, and we took all belonging to him and brought it unto you. And Esau took all the silver and gold which Elphaz had taken from Jacob, and he put them by in his house. So now these guys are making a declaration of what God's grace is able to do. And so I wanted you guys to follow this thread, man, because it's really important about this grace. And I know many of you are hurting. I know there's a lot of pain happening within your family. But I'm giving you the secret here by which you can come out of your situation. Um, and that secret is the process of grace and faith, the combination of those two forces, because the Bible tells us that grace is a spirit. It tells us in, um, I think it's Zechariah 12, uh, 10, that talks about the spirit of grace. And so we know that that for force and, and also tells that grace, uh, that faith also is a spirit, the spirit of, of faith. And we know that these forces, when combined, that partnership, man, as I'm telling you, your partnership with God, because God wants to be a partner with us. We saw that how he gave the people of Israel favor. And we know that um, the Bible tells us that in Job 10, 12, thou has granted me life and favor, and thy visitation has preserved my spirit. And this is Job 10. And so this important um uh, piece of power, place of power, piece of power that the church and preachers don't talk about, but it's very important that you and I understand it. So now let's see again what their declaration. So we know that God used the favor because he told us in, in the previous verse when it tells us that uh, it says God, uh, uh, you know, gave him favor with these men. And it says, and the Lord caused Jacob to find favor in the sight of Elphaz. And so he caused them. So now let's see what their declaration as to what happened to them to cause them to be obedient to um, the, uh, the the grace of God. 
and let's see what their declaration. And they answered and said unto Esau, Because Jacob supplication us in this matter, not to slay him, our pity was excited towards him. What strange words to use to describe what was going on with them. Their pity, they had pity on him, but it says it was excited. So God caused this excitement within them. And this is the words, these are the words that they used to describe what God did in their heart. As I mentioned, divine influence upon the heart and the benefit that it brings to us, the believer, the child of God. And you and I are child, children of God, the Bible tells us. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. We are the children of God. And so we see that uh, uh, God caused them to have uh, um, their pity to be excited towards him. And he took all belonging from him. And so this is Esau responding. And so let's see. And a time when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had commanded him, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife from amongst the daughters of Canaan, and that the daughters of Canaan were bad in the sight of Isaac and Rebekah. Then he went to the house of Ishmael, his uncle, and in addition to his older wives, he took another wife. He took uh, Ishmael's daughter to a uh, wife. And so this guy is a rebellious man, and we're seeing it over and over in his life. And Jacob went forth, and now we see this part when Jacob now is heading to uh, Laban's house. And so I wanted to bring to you guys from the book of Yasher the other side uh, so that we're trying to get a full glimpse of all the aspects. Um, I remember watching this movie called Vantage Point, and they were uh, that movie was about things happening, an incident that took place, but they were looking at it from different vantage points. And so that is my goal here to try and get you and I to look at things from a different vantage point, because in doing so, uh, we get a full picture as to what's going on within this family, because we know it's a family. We know that within the family, there are bad guys and good guys within that family. We know there's guys that are rebellious towards God and rebellious towards uh, uh, anything that has to do with God. And those are in the family that are obedient or are walking by the principles of God. And so this stuff is, is uh, universal. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that you guys understand that these guys weren't pristine, that there was stuff going on within this family that has caused a lot of trauma. And we see that this man, um, uh, uh, Esau, is a man of trauma, a man of rebellion, and he is behaving outlandish because he's not even talking to his father and his mother about who he's marrying. So he's marrying anyone and everyone that he chooses. And in the culture at that time, that was unheard of. So we know the disrespect that he had towards his family, his parent, the culture, everything. And uh, it manifested in his life and how God responded to him. And so it is very important that you and I have to uh, make our choices and those choices that we make today on this planet, we are, you got to remember, guys, we are spirits having a human experience. And 
in having this human experience, we are going to be, the body ties us to a lot of things. It keeps us legally here on this planet. Once we shed the body um, after death, we are then able to then migrate to different dimensions with ease. But the fact that we are caused uh, to be in this body keeps you and I legally here and we cannot vacate it. We are governed by some of the principles here in this life, breathing and all those type of different things. But in the spiritual realm, because we are spirit, there are spiritual laws that supersede all of the natural laws. And when one becomes a born-again Christian, uh, one of a disciple of Jesus Christ, and not a Christian per se by title, but a a son of God, the body of Christ, there's a difference because he spoke to um, church people much different than he did his disciples. And so God said to his disciples once they he, he left and vacated this planet, he said, go into the world, preach the gospel, and, and make disciples. And so many Christians today are not disciples of Jesus. They're simply those that have the title of Christian because as, you know, those that are in the political party, why my mother's a Republican, my father's a Democrat, and so that generationally they're quote-unquote saying that they're Christians, but they have nothing, no power, no relationship with God, don't even know who he is, don't even know nothing about Jesus, don't even know that Jesus died for them, don't even know that he became sin for them, so that you and I, when we are born again, we are no longer sin. Sin have no dominion over me. Why? Because the Bible tells me that God took my sin and he hung it on the cross with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus became sin, the Bible says the father turned his eyes away from him because he couldn't look onto him anymore because the Bible says he became sin. And because he became sin, he makes this great exchange between um, man for while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So he made this exchange so that you and I, the Bible says, can have peace with God. And that's his, this is the only way you and I can have peace with God. We can't do it. We can't earn it. Because the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. We come by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's the only way we can walk this walk. And the Bible tells us as we begin to, uh, as we're new um, citizens within this kingdom, we have to learn about all those laws that supersede these natural laws, the law of gravity. Faith supersedes that because Jesus walked on water, broke the law of gravity. So did Peter broke the, the law of gravity, sickness and disease. He broke that law. He touched, he laid hands, and they got healed. He cast out demons, and that is a law. Also, superiority of the king, uh, Lucifer, and all of his kingdom. We have that according to the book of Ephesians. And so uh, we are knowing all of these things as we become born again. We come, uh, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his policies and procedures as you and I learn about these policies and procedures that are located in this legal book that is called a Bible, which houses all of the information that you and I would need in order to become and walk as sons of God and no longer slaves, according to uh, the book of uh, Galatians. So you and I have some stuff to do, but we can only do this as we gain knowledge, for the scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we get that when we get into the word of God, we look and see what those policies and procedures are, and then we incorporate them in our lives 
and we will see tremendous amount of miracles. But when you marry God with you, your faith, the grace of God with your faith, I promise you, you will get victorious in your living and in your life. So I want to stop here. And actually, I feel to pray for the people that are listening. And I actually pray for you guys. But I feel led to pray for you before we close this. Father, I thank you for your mighty work that you do in our life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your obedience to the cross. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and being here with us to empower us to uh, become who we are. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your obedience. Father, so much love us. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your plan of reconciliation. I pray, pray for those that are listening at this podcast that you would reveal who you are as Savior and as King, as one who came, died. Father, I want you to show them your love, how much you love them so much that you are vested in their life. You know the, the amount of hair that is on their head. You know the deepest desire of their heart, the Bible tells us so. And so I want you, Father, to reach down and touch them. Those that are in pain, the Bible says, God is close to those who are brokenhearted. And I know this for a fact because you were there for me when I was brokenhearted. The Bible tells us that I will send my word and heal you. And God is interested in you giving you that you have divine health. Let me explain why. When the children of Israel left Egypt, the Bible tells us it's a form of salvation leaving Egypt. They left with a couple of things. They left with the finances, the wealth. But they also, when they went into the desert, the Bible tells us that there was not a, a feeble one amongst them. Their clothes did not wear out. Their shoes, nothing. Health, divine health. Those that are sick, I pray for them, Father. Those that are in need for you took care of that. You said, now that you're a part of the kingdom of God, that I... Um, I am the one that will supply your need through Christ Jesus. I am your supply. Why, Father? Because you foresaw that the supply system in the world will be judged and that they will, the uh, Antichrist will put pressure on those that if you want to partake in this system, that you must take a mark. And because you saw that, you provided your own system. You said, my God shall supply all of my needs. And you said that you, in your word that Jesus Christ took on our poverty so that we can become rich, not just financially, but rich in wisdom, rich, rich, rich in knowledge, rich in many things that on this planet doesn't have any value, but before God it does. Rich in wisdom and in love. The Bible tells us how we ought to be there. And I thank you for these people, Lord God, and bless them in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would reveal Jesus to them as you did with Brother Paul. Lord, you showed up and you came with your power and he saw your glory. I pray that these people that are listening will see your glory. Father, make yourself known to them through the power and the personhood of Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for assisting them and making them aware of who they are. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Mystery Bible. Let's walk through the Bible and learn of God and His beautiful mercies and all that He has provided for us, that we may become effective for His kingdom and change 
this world. Check in every week for a new episode.